Section 19 From Satirical and Humorous Poems, Part 4 By Thomas Moore Read for LibriVox.org By Noel Badrian Rhymes on the Road Extract 9 The English Tourist Venice and is there no earthly place where we can rest in dream elysian without some cursed round english face popping up near to break the vision mid northern lakes mid southern vines unholy sits we're doomed to meet for highest alps nor apennines are sacred from treadneedle street if up the simplon's path we wind fancying we leave this world behind such pleasant sounds salute one's ear as badish news from change my dear the funds phew curse this ugly hill are lowering fast what higher still and zooks we're mounting up to heaven we'll soon be down to sixty-seven go where we may rest where we will eternal london haunts us still the trash of almacks or fleet ditch and scarce a pin's head difference which mixes though even to greece we run with every rill from helicon and if this rage for levelling lasts if cockneys of all sects and castes old maidens aldermen and squires will leave their puddings and cold fires to gape at things in foreign lands no soul among them understands if blues desert their coteries to show off mong the wahhabis if neither sex nor age controls nor fear of mamelukes forbids young ladies with pink parasols to glide among the pyramids why then farewell all hope to find a spot that's free from london kind who knows if to the west we roam but we may find some blue at home among the blacks of carolina or flying to the eastward sea some mrs hopkins taking tea and toast upon the wall of china end of poem a speculation of all speculations the market holds forth the best that i know for a lover of pelf is to buy marcus up at the price he is worth and then sell him at that which he sets on himself end of poem a joke versified come come said tom's father at your time of life there's no longer excuse for thus playing the rake it is time you should think boy of taking a wife why so it is father whose wife shall i take end of poem lines on the departure of lords castlereagh and stuart for the continent at paris a frat equi rapuere sabilis vix tenure manus scis hoc menele nefandes ovid metamorphosis book thirteen verse two hundred and two go brothers in wisdom go bright pair of peers and may cupid and fame fan you both with their pinions the one 
the best lover we have of his years and the other prime statesman of britain's dominions go hero of chancery blessed with the smile of the misses that love and the monarchs that prize thee forget mrs angelo taylor awhile and all tailors but him who so well dandifies thee never mind how thy juniors in gallantry scoff never heed how perverse affidavits may thwart thee but show the young missus thou'rt scholar enough to translate amour fortis a love about forty and sure tis no wonder when fresh as young mars from the battle you came with the orders you'd earned in it that sweet lady fanny should cry out my stars and forget that the moon too was some way concerned in it for not the great regent himself has endured though i've seen him with badges and orders all shine till he looked like a house that was over insured a much heavier burden of glories than thine and tis plain when a wealthy young lady so mad is or any young lady can so go astray as to marry old dandies that might be their daddies the stars are in fault my lord stuart not they thou too t'other brother thou tully of tories thou malaprop cicero over whose lips such a smooth rigmarole about monarchs and glories and knowledge and features like syllabub slips go haste at the congress pursue thy vocation of adding fresh sums to this national debt of ours leaguing with kings who for mere recreation break promises fast as your lordships break metaphors fare ye well fare ye well bright pair of peers and may cupid and fame fan you both with their pinions the one the best lover we have of his years and the other prime statesman of britain's dominions end of poem to sir hudson low effare causam nominis utrume mores hoc tui nomen dedere ad nomen hoc secuta morum regula ausonius eighteen sixteen sir hudson low sir hudson low by name and ah by nature so as thou art fond of persecutions perhaps thou'd read or heard repeated how captain gulliver was treated when thrown among the lilliputians they tied him down these little men did and having valiantly ascended upon the mighty man's protuberance they did so strut upon my soul it may have been extremely droll to see their pygmy pride's exuberance and how the doughty mannequins amused themselves with sticking pins and needles in the great man's breeches and how some very little things that pass for lords on scaffoldings got up and worried him with speeches alas alas that it should happen to mighty men to be caught napping though different too these persecutions for gulliver there took the nap while here the nap oh sad mishap is taken by the lilliputians end of poem ballad for the cambridge election 
i authorized my committee to take the step which they did of proposing a fair comparison of strength upon the understanding that whichever of the two should prove to be the weakest should give way to the other extract from mr w j banks's letter to mr gouldborn banks is weak and gouldborn too no one ere the fact denied which is weakest of the two cambridge can alone decide choose between them cambridge pray which is weakest cambridge say gouldborn of the pope afraid is banks as much afraid as he never yet did two old ladies on this point so well agree choose between them cambridge pray which is weakest cambridge say each a different mode pursues each the same conclusion reaches banks is foolish in reviews gouldborn foolish in his speeches choose between them cambridge pray which is weakest cambridge say each a different foe doth damn when his own affairs have gone ill banks he damneth buckingham gulborn damneth dan o'connell choose between them cambridge pray which is weakest cambridge say once we know a horse's neigh fixed the election to a throne so whichever first shall bray choose him cambridge for thy own choose him choose him by his bray thus elect him cambridge pray june eighteen twenty six end of poem news for country cousins eighteen twenty six dear cuz as i know neither you nor miss draper when parliament's up ever take in a paper but trust for your news to such stray odds and ends as you chance to pick up from political friends being one of this well-informed class i sit down to transmit you the last newest news that's in town as to greece and lord cochrane things couldn't look better his lordship who promises now to fight faster has just taken roads and dispatched off a letter to daniel o'connell to make him grand master engaging to change the old name if he can from the knights of st john to the knights of st dan or if dan should prefer as a still better whim being made the colossus tis all one to him from russia the last accounts are that the tsar most generous and kind as all sovereigns are and whose first princely act as you know i suppose was to give away all his late brother's old clothes is now busy collecting with brotherly care the late emperor's nightcaps and thinks of bestowing one nightcap apiece if he has them to spare on all the distinguished old ladies now going while i write and arrival from riga the brothers having nightcaps on board for lord eldon and others last advices from india sir archie tis thought was near catching a tartar the first ever caught in north latitude twenty one and his highness burmese being very hard pressed to shell out the rupees and not having rhino sufficient they say meant to pawn his august golden foot for the payment 
how lucky for monarchs that thus when they choose can establish a running account with the jews the security being what rothschild calls good alone will be shortly of course set on foot the parties are rothschild a baring and co with three other great pawnbrokers each takes a toe and engages lest goldfoot should give us leg bail as he did once before to pay down on the nail this is all for the present what vile pens and paper yours truly dear cousin best love to miss draper september eighteen twenty six End of poem. A vision by the author of Christabel. Up, said the spirit, and ere I could pray, one hasty horizon whirled me away to a limbo lying, I wist not where, above or below, in earth or air. For it glimmered o'er with a doubtful light, one couldn't say whether twas day or night, and twas crossed by many a mazy track one didn't know how to get on or back and i felt like a needle that's going astray with its one eye out through a bundle of hay when the spirit he grinned and whispered to me thou'rt now in the court of chancery around me flitted unnumbered swarms of shapeless bodiless tailless forms like bottled-up babes that grace the room of that worthy knight sir everard home all of them things half killed in rearing some were lame some wanted hearing some had through half a century run though they hadn't a leg to stand upon others more merry as just beginning around on a point of law were spinning or balanced aloft twixt bill and answer lead at each end like a tight-rope dancer some were so cross that nothing could please em some gulfed down affidavits to ease em all were in motion yet never a one let it move as it might could ever move on these said the spirit you plainly see are what they call suits in chancery i heard a loud screaming of old and young like a chorus by fifty velutes sung or an irish dump the words by more at an amateur concert screamed in score so harsh on my ear that wailing fell of the wretches who in this limbo dwell it seemed like the dismal symphony of the shapes aeneas in hell did see or those frogs whose legs a barbarous cook cut off and left the frogs in the brook to cry all night till life's last dregs give us our legs give us our legs touched with the sad and sorrowful scene i asked what all this yell might mean when the spirit replied with a grin of glee tis the cry of the suitors in chancery i looked and i saw a wizard rise with a wig like a cloud before men's eyes in his aged hand he held a wand wherewith he beckoned his embryo band and they moved and moved as he waved it o'er but they never got on one inch the more and still they kept limping to and fro like aerials round old prospero saying dear master let us go but still old prospero answered no 
and i heard the while that wizard elf muttering muttering spells to himself while o'er as many old papers he turned as hume ear moved for or omar burned he talked of his virtue though some less nice he owned with a sigh preferred his vice and he said i think i doubt i hope called god to witness and damned the pope with many more slates of tongue and hand i couldn't for the soul of me understand amazed and posed i was just about to ask his name when the screams without the merciless clack of the imps within and that conjurer's mutterings made such a din that startled i woke leapt up in my bed found the spirit the imps and the conjurer fled and blessed my stars right pleased to see that i wasn't as yet in chancery end of poem ode to ferdinand quit the sword thou king of men grasp the needle once again making petticoats is far safer sport than making war trimming is a better thing than being trimmed o king grasp the needle bright with which thou didst for the virgin stitch garment such as never before monarch stitched or virgin wore not for her o seamster nimble do i now invoke thy thimble not for her thy wanted aid is but for certain grave old ladies who now sit in england's cabinet waiting to be clothed in tabinet or whatever choice a tough is fit for dowagers in office first thy care o king devote to dame eldon's petticoat make it of that silk whose dye shifts for ever to the eye just as if it hardly knew whether to be pink or blue or material fitter yet if thou couldst a remnant get of that stuff with which of old sage penelope we are told still by doing and undoing kept her suitors always wooing that's the stuff which i pronounce is fittest for dame eldon's flounces after this we'll try thy hand mantua making ferdinand for old goody westmoreland one who loves like mother cole church and state with all her soul and has passed her life in frolics worthy of your apostolics choose in dressing this old flirt something that won't show the dirt as from habit every minute goody westmoreland is in it this is all i now shall ask hie thee monarch to thy task finish eldon's frills and borders then return for further orders oh what progress for our sake kings in millinery make ribbons garters and such things are supplied by other kings ferdinand his rank denotes by providing petticoats end of poem speech on the umbrella question by lord eldon vos innumerables video ex juvenile georgii canningi eighteen twenty seven my lords 
i'm accused of a trick that god knows is the last into which at my age i could fall of leading this grave house of peers by their noses wherever i choose princes bishops and all my lords on the question before us at present no doubt i shall hear tis that cursed old fellow that bugbear of all that is liberal and pleasant who won't let the lords give the man his umbrella god forbid that your lordships should knuckle to me i am ancient but were i as old as king priam not much i confess to your credit twould be to mind such a twaddling old trojan as i am i own of our protestant laws i am jealous and long as god spares me will always maintain that once having taken men's rights or umbrellas we ne'er should consent to restore them again what security have you ye bishops and peers if thus you give back mr bell's parapluie that he mayn't with its stick come about all your ears and then where would your protestant periwigs be no heaven be my judge were i dying to-day ere i dropped in the grave like a meddler that's mellow for god's sake at that awful moment i'd say for god's sake don't give mr bell his umbrella end of poem this recording is in the public domain